Well, good morning and uh, welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. We are so thankful to have you here on this Back to Church Sunday. And you're probably wondering why I'm sitting in a chair this morning. Is anybody wondering that? Yeah? I'm tired. It's been a really long week preparing for Back to Church Sunday uh, with schoolwork. I had two tests, two papers this week. I officiated a wedding on Friday. It's been a really long week and I'm tired. I guess you could say I'm weary. Can anybody relate to that today? Anybody tired? Anybody worn out? Maybe it's work. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's the other activities that you have going on in your life. Maybe it's newborn babies. Newborn babies will wear a person out, boy, mom, dad, grandma. But there's all kinds of things in our lives that make us weary. You know, we live in a society where it has almost become a badge of honor to say, oh, I work 60 hours a week. Oh, I work 70 hours a week. Oh, I, I only sleep four hours a night because I, you know, I've got so much to do. We, we've almost taken that on as like a badge of honor, something we should be proud of. And it can make us weary and it can make us lose focus on the things that are really important. Now, don't get me wrong. It's fantastic to have a wonderful work ethic. That's not what we're talking about, of course. But what we're talking about today is being tired and being worn out and being weary. This has been a hard couple of years. It's been a lot of crazy things going on in our world, some things that maybe we don't even understand. We've been in the midst of a pandemic, and then we've been out of the pandemic, and then we've been back into the pandemic. And every time we think we're at, we're at the tail end of it, there's a new strain that comes out. And, and that can just really tend to wear us down and make us tired and make us lose focus. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. I'm going to share with you a story from the Bible um, about the prophet Elijah. And most of you know that story, but we'll kind of recap that story and talk about what Elijah did when he was weary, and what you and I can do when we are feeling tired and worn down and weary, and we start to lose our focus on Jesus Christ. So I'm not really going to sit here for the sermon today, but I want to share some things with you here this morning. And maybe you can relate to the folks in these pictures. Maybe this is you. You're sitting at your desk and you're just, you're tired, you're worn out and you're weary. And see, what happens is, that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Because see, when you're tired, and you're worn out, and you've lost your focus, you forget about the important things in life. You forget about your family. You forget about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the focus that we just can't afford to lose because Jesus Christ is where we find our hope. And without that, we'd be going through this crazy life of working 60 hours a week and being pulled in 10 different directions for nothing. But that's what we're going to look at here today. So I want to start out with the story of the prophet Elijah. Now, I know a lot of you are familiar with this story, so I'm just going to give a very, very brief recap of this story. And maybe if you're not familiar with the story of Elijah, this is one I definitely encourage you to look up because this is a really cool story. So again, the Cliff Notes version is that Elijah basically has a showdown with the prophets of Baal. And it's basically to prove whose God is the real 
God. So what happens is, is, is the prophets of Baal, they, they, build a, they build an altar, and Elijah builds an altar. And basically what the, what the contest is, is, hey, we're both going to call on our God to rain down fire on these altars, and whosoever God actually does it, that's the real God. Because remember, he's trying to convince them to stop worshiping idols. He's trying to convince them that the gods they're worshiping are false gods and not the one true God. So as the story progresses, we see that the, the, the prophets of Baal are starting to get, uh, to get frustrated and they're starting to get desperate. And if you read the story, Elijah actually he spends a little time mocking them um, and says, hey, maybe your God's just in the bathroom. He's busy right now. He can't, uh, can't make it to the altar right now. So Elijah does have a little bit of fun with that story. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is Elijah goes to his altar and they pour water all over it. Because they're like, there's no way if this thing is covered with water that God can set it on fire. Well, they don't know our God. Because see, we serve a God that can do anything and everything. And sure enough, Elijah called on God to rain down fire on the altar and he did. Now, I say all of this just to set the backdrop for the story that we're going to talk about today. Because, see, this is what happens after he does this. So what I want you to think about is Elijah has just had probably the best day of his life. Okay, he has just had the most amazing day of his life where he got to just prove to everyone that God is really who Elijah has said that he was. And that's where we're going to pick up today's story. So I'm going to have you turn to the Old Testament. And we're going to start out in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read the first eight verses. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Again, this is immediately following our showdown at the altar. And we pick up, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all of the prophets with the sword. Because see, they had ordered all the prophets of Baal to be killed after this. And Jezebel was the queen, and most of you know that name, right? And we think of that as she was kind of the evil queen, so to speak, if this was a Disney movie. Uh, Jezebel would be the evil queen, right? So she, he's basically telling her everything that has just happened, and we're going to see her response. So verse 2 says, So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. So Jezebel is going to send a message to Elijah, basically saying, by this time tomorrow, you will no longer exist. We are going to treat you the same way that you treated our prophets, and we're going to have you killed. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So here we see, as we pick up in our story, Elijah is now on the run, okay? Now, just yesterday, remember, he had this amazing day where God showed up in a big way for him. And the very next day, he's running for his life. Because he's forgotten already about this amazing thing that God had just done for him. It says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And of course, he's talking about the Israelites and how the Israelites went through this cycle of, of being really close to God and then they would fall away and then they would worship idols and God would send a judge. And then that would just continue over and over again. And he's saying, look, I'm no better than them. Elijah actually prayed for his life to be taken the day after arguably the biggest victory of his life. 
And maybe you've been there at some point. Maybe you've been there at some point where where you just feel so beaten down by this world. You just feel so stressed out and so overwhelmed that you're like, I'm done. I'm done. I just can't do this anymore. And that's exactly how Elijah was feeling. It says, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. It says he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. See, God knew that Elijah was at the end of his rope. And he didn't, right? He didn't discipline Elijah. He could have said, what are you doing? Just yesterday I showed up in a big way for you, and today you've forgotten all about me. He didn't do that. See, God said, look, I need to provide Rest, and I need to provide nourishment for Elijah. Verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. We wrap up verse 8. It says, So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Never underestimate the power of a nap and a snack, right? Because that's exactly what Elijah needed to get refocused on the task at hand. And see, that's exactly what we need to do. When we're getting overwhelmed, when we're feeling stressed, when we're losing our focus on Jesus, we have to stop and rest and nourish ourselves. Because when we don't, then we're doing exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Because, see, the enemy wants you to be tired, and he wants you to be stressed, and he wants you to be questioning your faith. And we've got to do just the opposite. Sometimes we just have to stop and take a breath and refocus and nourish ourselves, both physically, and I say physically because throughout Jesus' ministry, what did he do? He fed people. And why did he feed people? He knew that if he didn't feed people, if he didn't take care of their physical bodies, then he would never have the opportunity to take care of their spiritual. And sometimes that's what we need to do, is we need to stop, and we need to take a deep breath, and we need to have a snack, right, just like Elijah. And then we need to nourish ourselves by spending time in prayer and spending time in the Word. Because, see, that's how we nourish ourselves. Now, see, Elijah needed physical sustenance, right? Because he was getting ready to set out on a 40-day journey. But a lot of times for you and I, because we've probably already eaten that day, right? We need that spiritual nourishment. We need to spend some time in the Bible. We need to spend some time with Jesus in prayer. And that's how we refresh and rebuild ourselves. So how do we do this? That's the question. Michael read this for us a little bit earlier. I want you to flip back over to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses 28 through 30, and it says, come to me. Now, I love that. That's an invitation. See, Jesus is giving an invitation to you and I to come to him. He wants you to come to him. Now, see, we were created with this thing called free will. And free will is a blessing and it's a curse, right? God didn't didn't create a race of robots who would have to follow him. He created a people that would hopefully love him and that he would love unconditionally. And that's why he says, come to me. He's giving an invitation. 
He's given the invitation to come and enter into a relationship with him. It says, all you who are weary and are burdened. So, so what had the folks worried and burdened? Well, in this particular passage, it was the Pharisees. It was the legalism. It was the overpowering nature of the society that they were living in that was wearing them out. And Jesus was saying, it doesn't have to be that way. If you'll come follow me, it can be different. He says, and I will give you rest. See, this first part of this is an invitation. It's, hey, if you will come to me, I will give you rest. And we're going to talk about what that means. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So he's basically saying, hey, let's do this together. Let's be yoked together. Because see, when you're tired and when you're weary and when you feel like you can't go on, Jesus comes along and helps you carry the load. And that's what allows us to find the rest that we need. Verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I hear people say this a lot and they go, hey, everything just gets easy when you follow Jesus. Anybody else kind of chuckle when you hear that? Right? And that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it just be, hey, you get baptized, you give your life to Jesus, and everything is roses for the rest of your life. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But it's better with Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Because notice that, that he says you're going to be yoked together. He doesn't say, I'll take everything away. He doesn't say, no more sorrows. No, he says, but I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to help you bear the burden. For those of you who didn't grow up in farm country like I did in the middle of a cornfield, this is what a yoke looks like. Some of you city folks maybe never seen a yoke before, know what a yoke is. But, but this is a yoke, right? So what you would do is you, you would have a couple of oxen, right? And their, their heads would go through the, the loops and then the, there's, a, there's a ring in the center and that's where the ropes would go. And then you would tie those oxen to a plow or to a wagon or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever job you needed to be done. But, but I like this visual in case you've never seen a yoke before. And maybe some of you have. But, but think about if you only tied one animal to the yoke, how would that work? It wouldn't. Because it's designed for two we just finished a series called Better Together. And it was all about how much better you and I are when we are together. And this is a perfect example. It would be almost impossible for an animal to carry that by themselves. And that's why in scripture, we see this powerful imagery. Because this is what being yoked is all about. What that means is, that we take on Christ, who is gentle and meek. See, we enter a partnership with Jesus. We enter a relationship with Jesus. It means that we put ourselves under his leadership. That we follow his examples. That we follow his teachings. Because, see, we can do far more with Jesus than we could ever do without Jesus. 
because see, he's going to take one side of that yoke and you're going to take that other side of the yoke and it's going to be far easier. Again, he doesn't say there'll be no yoke, just the opposite. You're still going to have burdens and you're still going to have difficult times and you're still going to be worn out. But now you've got help and you're not doing it alone. Because see, when you enter in to that relationship with Jesus Christ, now you have hope. You have hope that one day, all of this is going to end. All of the stress and the struggles and the finances and the relationships and all of the other things that are wearing you down one day go away. Because we get to spend eternity in the most amazing place that you can imagine. I want to share with you as we get ready to wrap up, I want to share you just a story of how we're reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. If you would, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at the first four verses. So again, 1 Peter chapter 1, the first four verses says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, look, this is my letter to, it says, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now remember, this is back when the Israelites were scattered into to all different lands, to all different countries. And he's saying, look, I'm saying this to all of you. He says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise to God for a living hope. See, we serve a living God. Christianity is the only religion that serves a living God. And Peter is reminding us about that. And he reminds us of this hope that we have. Verse 3 says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, he's reminding us of the new birth. Because see, when, you, when you're baptized, when you, when you enter into the baptism, and you come out of the baptism, you come out a brand new person. And the only way that happens is because God loved you enough to send his son to die on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. See, that's where the hope is. It says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. See, the things of this earth, they spoil. They fade. They tear. They get broken. See, nothing here lasts forever. Your car doesn't last forever. Your house doesn't last forever. And your life doesn't last forever. But see, one day, see, one day, if we'll yoke ourselves to Jesus Christ, if we'll have a relationship with Jesus Christ and do the very best we can to follow his teachings, then one day we're going to go to a place where nothing ever fades or spoils or tears or breaks. You're going to have no more sorrows, and no more tears, and no more stress. 
you're going to spend eternity in the most amazing place that you could possibly imagine that is beautiful beyond description, and you get to spend the rest of eternity there. See, sometimes this life feels long. Sometimes the days feel long. Sometimes you're at work, right? And you're thinking, it's got to be about 3 o'clock. we got to be on the home stretch here. And you look at your watch and it's 1. And you're like, oh, come on. Or maybe you're thinking, it's got to be at least Thursday and it's Tuesday. Right? You ever been there? I've been there. Like, hey, the weekend starts tomorrow. Oh, wait a minute. It seems long sometimes because we're weary and because we're tired. But our life is so short. Our life is so short compared to eternity. E eternity is one of those concepts it's hard to wrap your mind around how long it is. But no longer, no matter how long life here on earth feels, it's like a nanosecond compared to eternity. And see, that's where our focus needs to be. Our focus needs to be no matter how bad things get here, no matter how hard things get here, no matter how tired I am here, my focus is still on the bigger picture. And see, that's what gives us hope, that there's more to life than this. There is so much more waiting on the other side. And we only have that because God loved us enough to send his son to die for you and me, not because we were deserving in any way, shape, or form, but because he loved us enough that he didn't want to see you and I suffer the fate that we probably deserve. And that's what hope gives us. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? We've got to slow down. I know that's hard these days. I know we live in Orange County, and a lot of us Husband and wife both work, kids work, everybody's working. We've got school, we've got sports, we've got church, we've got everything else. But sometimes we've just got to slow down and remember the important things. And that's our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our family. Because when you get too tired, when you get too worn down, when you need a snack, right? You tend to forget your priorities. We can't let that happen. We've got to feed our body and soul. Again, it's the snack and the nap. Sometimes that's what you need. Some of you are going to go home this afternoon and take a nap. I envy you. I've got to go home and write a paper. And if you can do that, please do. <laughs> take one for me. We've got to remember the promise that God made to us. Because God does not break his promises. Everybody in this room can probably think of a time where someone's broken a promise to them. God will never do that to you. And he tells us that in the scripture. You can take that to the bank. And we've got to focus on the hope. We've got to focus on the bigger picture. We've got to focus on Jesus. We've got to focus on heaven and where we're going to spend our eternity. And not let the things of this world drag us down. In just a moment, Brandon is going to come up and he's going, to, he's going to sing a song of hope for us. And if we can help you in any way, we want to encourage you to come forward. Myself and some of the elders will be down here uh, in the front of the auditorium. And 
And if you need just somebody to talk to, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you're just feeling tired and worn out and not sure what to do next, please come and talk to us. Or maybe you've never been baptized. You've never had that chance to be baptized so that your old life is put behind you. So that all of the sins and all of the mistakes and all of the heartaches from the past are behind you. And now you enter a new relationship with Jesus Christ and you can focus on him and you can focus on heaven. If we can help you in any way, I want to encourage you to come forward as we stand together this morning and as we sing. I hope it will come.